Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have John Gleason, the head of customer success for Upper SMB, Mid Market, and Enterprise of Keep Trucking. We chatted about what it's like building a customer success team in a fast scaling startup and how they achieve a near perfect customer retention rate. John also shared the tool stack his customer success team uses, why their customer success team is set up in two different functions between onboarding and customer success, and how they proactively prepare for customer renewals. We also discussed the importance of measuring a customer health score and how to utilize it, why closing new deals shouldn't be the customer success manager's responsibility, and how John would tackle churn and retention if he were to join a new company and start from scratch. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I hope you enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing today? Very good, thanks. It's great to have you. I think we met quite a long time ago uh, when we first, when I first attended the Dublin Web Summit, and I think we were both crazy enough to go to the Surf Summits and try surfing in Ireland in the middle of November. Uh, yeah. But it's great to have you. So for the listeners, like John is a super experienced customer experience um, team member. He's uh, he actually started out in product management, but then moved into customer success where. He was the VP of customer success at Finio. He's also the co-organizer of the San Francisco customer success meetup. Uh, and now he's the head of customer success for AppMarket at Keep Trucking. Um, John, like, how did you make your progression into customer success? What drew you into it? And um, what is it that you love about your job? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it was, it was kind of a natural progression in a lot of ways. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I was I was the type of kid who was always uh, buying and, and selling things. I was selling bikes on on eBay before there was even PayPal. Um, so it was always like in my DNA to be a bit of an entrepreneur and and to sell things. Um, and I always knew that the customer part of it um, when you were selling something meant so much. And fast forward a couple of years, um, I really started to learn about customer success when I was at Affinio. Um, at Affinio, I was lucky enough to be the first hire there and did a whole bunch of things from helping to build the first product um, to helping to sell the product for the first time to helping to build out the first sales team 
for the first time. And then when we had all of these customers that we needed to renew for the first time, that's when I was asked to um, help figure out this thing called customer success. And that really got me pretty excited when I started to actually learn what this was all about. I, I had no idea actually before um, Artie, who was one of the co-founders said, hey, can you figure out customer success? Uh, and it was a perfect blend of everything that I loved, which was you got to be close to the product because you, your customers were using it and you tended to have the best insights on, on what they needed. Um, it was very customer facing in the same way that, that sales was and, and I love to sell. Um, but it also meant that you got to hold a longer term relationship with the customers. And that was really special. And as I started to learn even about how the financials of a, a SaaS business worked, I started to learn um, how valuable that long-term relationship with your customers actually is. Um, so that's when I was hooked. So it's just the, the blend of everything that I wanted to be doing and, and really uh, the merger of the things that I'd been doing in my career t to that point in time. So uh, is is definitely a a blessing that uh, I found my way into key customer success for sure. Very cool. Yeah, I absolutely, I think as well, like that value from customer success is one of those things that's undervalued in the beginning when you, people think about growth, but if in the long term, like having that really solid setup for customer success and having that really strong, close relationship with your customers, keeping them around for longer is actually one of the biggest levers for growth in your business. Uh, and so, um, Adafinio, um, they help like connecting AI with consumer data to drive segmentation and understanding of customers and users. Like with the product itself, uh, did you go, how were you using Afinio at Afinio with customer success? Cause it's quite an interesting topic of being able to like segment, uh, your users. Like were you using it in any special ways internally? Did you come up with any interesting insights from there? Uh, you know, I, I think so. Um, and, and why I would say that, so at Affinio, what we're really good at doing was understanding what people were interested in. Um, we believe that, or we believed, and, and they, they still do, it's a wonderful company, uh, and I still keep in touch with the founders quite a bit. Um, but they believe that the things that link people together are actually their shared interests, um, the commonalities that they have. Um, so one of the ways that we would we would do that. And we were selling into all sorts of different end industries that sometimes we knew nothing about um, off the bat. So media and entertainment, um, sports, tech companies, um, you know, news and information. There was, there was so many different verticals that we were selling into. Um, so we actually used our tool to, to get the quick download on what was really important to the people that we were selling. And I think um, that that's key, no matter what you're selling is if you can figure out uh, what the person is that you're selling to is is really into and what they care about and what matters to them, you can create that meaningful personal connection. So I would say that's one way that we would just um, kind of download the ins and outs of, of an industry um, before we would start to um, work with the people in it. Very interesting. So it's that concept of like psychographic versus like demographic data and really understanding the psychology behind your users puts you an advantage. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So now you fast forward, like, uh, you're head of customer success for Upper Market at Keep Tracking. Uh, maybe you want to let us know a little bit about Keep Tracking and your role there. Yeah, so Keep Tracking is one of the fastest growing startups, um, I think, ever. We grew from, uh, when I joined, about 150 people to 1,500 people worldwide. And what we're doing is we're basically bringing the trucking industry online 
um, for the first time. So we sell a device um, that basically helps us track where transportation trucks are. And in doing so, we've, um, we've really figured out a lot about the industry. We've really helped uh, drivers themselves solve a lot of problems, made their lives a little bit easier, um, but in process, been able to um, you know, help change this industry, help um, show them the power of technology and, uh, and streamline their businesses. So it's, it's been a pretty interesting uh, ride, to say the least, to, to work with a company with such strong product market fit. Yeah, and it's, it sounds like you've scaled incredibly fast, uh, going from 150 to 1500. How have you found that's like keeping up with that pace of scale when it comes to building out a customer success team? Uh, and how have you been able to cope uh, with the infrastructure and that speed? <laughs> Andrew, it's been uh, pretty insane. It's, it's, it's really been a, a fast journey, to say the least. Um, yeah. But I think so much of it actually comes down to, to people. Um, and I think not just in customer success, but across our entire organization, one of the things that we've done really, really well is hire great people. Um, I think as, as good as your systems might be and as good as the processes that you might create might be, uh, at the end of the day, um, I think startups are successful or, or maybe they fail um, based off the quality of their people. So we've been able to um, attract really great people. Uh, we've been able to build a really special culture um, I would say, you know, the people in Keep Trucking genuinely care about each other. And I think that's been just a rock solid foundation um, for us to do everything else that we've, we've wanted to do and, and continue to do. So I would say like starting block number one is, is people and everything follows. Yeah, absolutely. It's critical. Uh, but I'm just thinking as well, like on the speed type of thing as well, like I thought Hotjar was growing fast uh, and like from week to week, new people joining, trying to keep up. Uh, with who's joining, but I can't imagine what it would be like, especially you have offices in how many different locations? Yeah, uh, it's sometimes hard to keep track. We have uh, offices around the world. So San Francisco being the HQ uh, stateside, I'm, I'm actually calling in from, from Nashville right now where we have a wonderful office, uh, Buffalo as well, uh, a few remote folks spread out across America. Uh, overseas, we've got a wonderful support team uh, in in Pakistan. So two offices in in Pakistan, one in Islamabad and one in Lahore, uh, and they're doing some great things. Uh, because we have a hardware component, uh, we also have some offices in in Asia as well. Uh, and then backtracking back to North America, we're we're starting to scale things out in in Canada as well. And it's only a matter of time, I'm sure, before we're we're over in Europe. So uh, really, a global company for sure. Incredible. And uh, I think it's also always interesting when you see some of these like um, industries that are now only being disrupted by technology that the sort of late to move, but there's obviously these huge untapped potential because they often probably didn't look like they were the most sexy markets to begin with. Uh, so I think this is definitely sounds like it's one of those cases as well for keep trucking. Oh, without a doubt. It's, it's been so cool to learn this industry. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Like to even put it in perspective, um, you know, the amount of people just employed in this industry and uh, is, is crazy, in, at least in stateside. Um, when we look at like the things that we consume, the last mile of pretty much everything that, that we eat, that we're wearing, that's in our house got there by a truck. So it's just, a, it's a huge industry. And um, that's probably, you know, just geeking out on it has been one of the most rewarding things I think of my entire career. Yeah, it's like one of those things you don't often think about or you never think about. Uh, and it's like there's so many different industries like this where things you just 
they happen and you expect it, you take things for granted. And just looking around, like you say, like if the last mile, pretty much everything that is in my office now has come via a truck and I've never ever sat to think about that up until this day. So. Yeah, how did it all get there? It, it was uh, all a truck. Yeah, and a lot of sweat as well, carrying things up the stairs. and the- <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So uh, let's talk about customer success then and uh, thinking about your product now as well. Um, when it comes to thinking about things like churn and retention, uh, what are some of the things that you think you're doing really well at Keep Trucking? Um, yeah, well, firstly, I think we're doing really, really well when it comes to those uh, those retention numbers. Um, we we have near perfect retention numbers in in some of our upmarket segments, um, and that's that's pretty neat to see. That it it definitely highlights that you know there is a, a strong product market fit there. Um, but I think like backtracking a little bit, that's obviously a lagging indicator. Um, there's a lot of things that have to go right first before you get really strong retention numbers. Um, yeah. So one of probably the, the most powerful things that we've done is we've really, um, we really focus actually on the executive business review. Um, and I know that's, you know, pretty common for a lot of people to be doing executive business reviews. Um, but we've really worked on perfecting that craft and then also building some automation in so that our, our teams, even as low as our, our up um, or some of our smaller uh, segments can be doing EBRs. And I think that's so powerful because, you know, when you show to a customer um, the return on the investment that they're making uh, or that they're getting through your product and even the fact that you have a deck that looks personal to them, um, it really shows that you care about their business. And, and when I think when customers know that you care deeply about their business and you want to see them be successful and you're highlighting to them how they are successful, um, it really even just frames and changes the relationship um, that you have with them. And they start to see you as, as a partner in their success. And I think um, that's been like the powerful switch that we've probably been able to, to flip with a lot of our customers, which has led to such great retention is we get these emails all the time where they say, Hey, like we, we appreciate our partnership with, with keep trucking. Um, thanks for all of your hard work. And, um, so I would say that's, yeah, EBRs would be definitely one thing that we've, we've really perfected and, um, have led to a lot of success. So let's talk through that a bit. Cause I think it definitely aligns with a lot of things we've heard previously, uh, when it comes to like, at the end of the day, people churn with not if they're not receiving value and uh, working through it with your customers and really trying to show them the value that your service does. But you say you've perfected it. Like, what does your process look like? Like, how do you work with your customers? What is the uh, cycle in which you're speaking to them? You're producing these reviews. Yeah, so we're trying to um, touch a good percentage of our customers with these EBRs uh, every single quarter. Um, it is a you know a fairly manual process for for the the actual meat of it, which is having your CSM present that to the adoption champions and the executive sponsors at their team. Um, but what we've done is we've started to um, pull in data um, into templates so that we can spin up an EBR really quickly. Um, and some of the things that we highlighted in there are things that maybe the fleet had taken for granted or, or didn't realize um, we'd impacted, but we were actually in a position based off the data that we had to, to measure it. Um, so for example, um, the amount of time that a truck is idling, 
Um, this is kind of a, an insight. A lot of fleets maybe had guessed on that before, or they would coach their, their drivers, but they didn't have insight into actually, you know, are we idling a lot or are we not idling a lot? Um, but now with, with Keep Trucking, we can actually measure the idle time of their fleets. So in our EBRs, we can share with them a really cool insight where we say, hey, you know, you've been coaching your drivers on idle time. We've measured, you know, the start of when you started to coach them on this uh, to, to now. And we've seen a, a 10% reduction in idle time. Um, the average fuel cost over this period of time was, was X. So um, great work. You, you know, you saved your business X amount of dollars. Um, so picking up those insights into their business that maybe they, they hadn't picked up on before. And now you highlight to them and you marry it back to some dollars and cents. Um, for them, it, that really flipped flips the switch um, from, you know, yeah, what they thought they bought to actually all the value that we're, we're actually giving them. Yeah, for me, more and more, I, I, I'm getting to something that this is like one of those most critical aspects and it's not always easy to do for startups. So I think like in your case, you have very like specific examples where you can tie it back to the ROI that your customer receives and it's nice. But the more and more you can do this where you can really like not just look at your product from the surface level of how they use it and how it functions, but really what is it in value that your customer is getting out of it and then being able to communicate that back, uh, I think definitely makes for happy customers and like keeping them around. Exactly. I think like internally, like that is the, the trap that probably a lot of customer success teams fall into. Um, we get excited about the features. We, we've been waiting for the features, but at the end of the day for our customers, it's not so much about the features. It's, it's really about, they have a business that they're trying to build and um, does this, did this impact their business in a, in a positive way? Um, yeah. Yeah, if you've been talking in those terms, I think you can also like create a, a bigger safety net for your organization. Um, you can escalate and elevate the conversations that you have to, to higher levels in the organization, um, which I think is really important too, um, to, to make sure that the highest levels in, in the companies that you work with know about your product. Um, because if they do and they like it and they see that it's, you know, having a meaningful impact on your business, you're less likely to get blindsided um, by a budget change or, or shifts in the business as well. Yeah. And this came up as well, I think, when we're speaking in the episode with David Scott and like the concept of the internal champion. And it's like what they've seen is like one of the biggest reasons for churn is when an internal champion leaves or is dissatisfied. But being able to sort of like getting that uh, your company known within your customers orgs and uh, being sort of their top of mind, uh, like having these EBRs and these, like you say, these business reviews with them, uh, those things are going to be shared internally, like people are going to be talking about them and keeping your company fresh and relevant. Uh, it's really, um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree um, more with David. And, and actually, that was one of the big things that we we did early on was we worked with the customer success managers and, and what they did is they mapped out all of our accounts. So they went on LinkedIn and they started to understand the titles of everybody at the organization. And, and we labeled, um, you know, who all of the key people were in the account. And then we set OKRs around actually getting to know um, all of the different people at the account and what they do and what makes them tick. Uh, and in doing so, we became a lot more multi-threaded in each of our accounts so that um, we really ended up like reducing um, the, the risk. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. So if somebody left, um, we knew other people to go to, um, but we also, you know, had, 
you know, different ranks within the organization that we had positive relationships with. Very nice. Uh, so like, again, further de-risking, um, the chance of churn. So uh, let's talk as well a little bit about uh, when it comes to uh, churn itself, like you have, you're building these customer relationships. How frequently are you doing these business reviews with uh, customers? Yeah, so we're doing um, these executive business reviews. Um, generally, we're trying in, in enterprise to do it every single quarter. Um, as we move down into the mid-market, it's, um, it's actually possible to do them every quarter if you really set it as a high priority. Um, so we're hitting a good majority of our customers with a, an EBR every single quarter. And then an upper SMB, which is another segment that I work with, um, it pretty much mirrors um, our mid-market segment. Um, they have slightly more accounts that they're working with, um, but on the whole, they're able to hit um, each of their customers with an EBR about two times a year. Okay. And when you're thinking about these different segments, are you thinking about sort of the uh, content that goes into these reviews or is it, like you said, is it just a standardized template across the board? Um, there's, there's a standardized template uh, and we pull in um, data into these standardized templates as well into our, our Excel sheets that, that basically then populate into a, a Google presentation. Um, and so that's like the, the backbone of it. There's certain things that we know are going to get um, all of our fleets excited. And then beyond that, there's other insights that it's really up to the discretion of, of the CSM uh, to highlight. So they'll, they'll pull in other things if it's, if it's meaningful, but I would say like the core is, is pretty um, congruent across all of our customers. And then they'll, they'll tweak it based off the particular needs of that customer based off of, um, you know, what was highlighted in, in some of the early kickoff notes and what some of the things that the fleet has, has listed as like high value items. Um, so there's certainly some tailoring, um, but we want to also make sure that we can do this at, at scale as well. So um, there is a, a core theme across all of them. Nice. And when you're talking about like now managing these relationships and you, you mentioned something as well, like which I found really interesting is going into LinkedIn and like really trying to understand the company and the internal reviews. Like what are you using to manage your customer relationships and to understand like what does the team's tool stack look like? Uh, how do you like keep a grasp of where you're at with each customer and uh, how satisfied they are? Yeah. Um, so we're using a couple different tools to do that. Um, so obviously Salesforce is, is the backbone um, of our, our CRM or is our CRM. So we're using that quite heavily. Um, and that's where we're actually mapping all of the accounts. So we, we have all of the contacts and we have certain um, pick lists built out in there um, to categorize what we're, we're seeing and, and finding in, in LinkedIn or actually now really validating um, because we have a business intelligence team that's starting to enrich our data, which is really cool. Um, on top of that, we're using uh, Gainsight as well. Um, a big feature in Gainsight that we, we use a lot is health scores. Um, we tend not to use it for the overall health score, but to actually see multiple drivers that um, we believe lead to an overall healthy customer. Um, so Gainsight would be one tool uh, on top of Salesforce. We use a tool called Ask Nicely um, to do our NPS surveys. 
Um, so we survey all of our customers again at the different levels within the accounts of the adoption champion, the executive sponsor, the end users. Um, we send those uh, four times a year to each of those people. So we start to map out, um, you know, are the high ranking people in the, the account happy? Are they giving us positive NPS scores? Is that different from what the end users um, are, are rating us? So we start to, again, map out the account in that way and, and figure out where everybody's satisfaction is at uh, using, using NPS. And then we're always exploring um, different tools to help us be more productive, um, to help us automate our EBRs, um, to help us even scheduling EBRs can be a challenge at times. So how do we help automate some of that process? So with email sequencing and things like that, um, which you can also do in, in Gainsight, um, so really what we want to do is we want to kind of automate everything that goes into um, before you get on that call for an EBR so that the, the CSM, which is the person who's really great at driving the relationship, can just focus on, on that key element is, is our biggest kind of North Star. Yeah, that's really cool. And I love like using the automation to try and do it at scale as well. Uh, the next thing is like customer success. I think it means a lot of things for a lot of different companies and depending on the organization you go into, the responsibilities and roles can vary quite drastically. Um, what does it mean for you at Keep Trucking and uh, like how have you seen customer success done really well uh, at, in your experience? Yeah, um, so customer success for us at, at Keep Trucking, when I'm talking about my group, um, or you know, boiling it down basically to our, our two individual contributor roles. We have two roles, one, an onboarding project manager, uh, and two, a customer success manager. And the onboarding project managers, they're really responsible for, for training, for driving adoption within the first 90 days, uh, and making sure that our customers um, you know, find quick value through using uh, the platform. So through activating, um, key things that we know are gonna make them successful. So that's one component, so the OPM. Uh, the other component is, is our customer success managers. And the customer success managers, they work to obviously maintain that, that high level of activation that the OPMs achieve, um, but they sit probably closer to revenue than a lot of other customer success groups. So what they're responsible for is they're owning the renewal number, so the logo renewal number and also the net renewal number. Uh, and then they're also responsible for driving um, a pipeline of upsell opportunities. Now they don't close those upsell opportunities themselves, those are past, um, but they build uh, a very measurable uh, pipeline uh, that we can trace directly back to our overall annual recurring, re annual recurring revenue number as, as a company. So that's uh, what the CSMs are all about. And, and then over top of all of those teams, um, we do measure them uh, and they are responsible for making sure that our customers just love us. So uh, NPS is a great way to gauge um, the, basically the strength of your relationship. Um, so we, we also measure everything in, on, on NPS as well. Very interesting. And like you say as well, you split out, you have an onboarding and customer success. Like what led you to set the team up in this fashion? Like, why did you separate the onboarding component from the customer success rep? Yeah, definitely. I think like sometimes like your business um, and the stage of your business, um, you know, guide you to what the right thing to do. And, 
is. And, and for us, that was, was really what happened. Because we grew so fast, we had this huge wave of customers that came on very, very quickly. We knew that you know, in 12 months, we would have to renew all of those customers for the first time. Um, and it was a lot to handle onboarding because there was so much of it. And then also be thinking about the future when you'd have to renew them all. So that led us to really break out the two teams initially. But it continues to work really well because I think sometimes like when you look at the job descriptions of what a customer success manager does, it is very, very broad. And it can range from you know, being responsible for onboarding through to being responsible for renewal, being responsible for upsell. Um, and that's hard. That's hard for any one person um, to do. And so for us, the natural like split of those roles and responsibilities was actually around onboarding because there's, um, there was a clear start and, and end date, uh, which always leads to a really um, like a, a stronger pass off if you can, you know, kind of close yeah. out onboarding and, and actually have it like push up against a, a clear timeline. So that's how, how we did it. And that's why we continue to do it that way. And it's worked very, very well. Um, yeah. And I love that distinction as well, like that focus for um, the team. Like you have that really like, my role is to make sure people get the most value out of the product as fast as possible. And then on the flip side, it's like, okay, now I need to make sure that they continue to get value so they stick around with us. And those two goals are pretty different uh, as well in terms of what needs to go into it to make things happen. So makes total exactly. sense. Um, so you mentioned as well something then uh, when it came to renewals and uh, your customer success reps then are responsible for renewals. Um, so um, uh, I think we talked about this just before the show, but keep tracking you're on, you have annual plans and you're introducing multi-year plans. But when it comes to renewals, how do you go about thinking about renewals? Like uh, This is obviously like one of those big places where uh, a lot of companies maybe at the early stage tend to think about it the last minute and they say, okay, shit, like this uh, cohort now is due to start renewing next month. Like let's try and start sending them uh, and try to bring them back or try to re-engage them. But how do you think about your renewals overall uh, at Keep Trunking? Well, that was, that was like the terrifying thing about how fast our business grew because we, we had this huge, huge influx of customers um, when we really you know, kicked off. Um, so our Q4 was just, it was heavy. It was, it was just an amazing uh, quarter of, of selling, but 12 months later, all of those accounts were going to come due. So we, we thought about it for, for 12 months straight. And that actually, it led us to break out the two teams into those two roles. Um, and so I think like a lot of people have talked about how like the renewal itself is probably a lagging indicator of, of everything that you've either done right or wrong in yeah. all of the days leading up to it. And I think that's how um, we certainly think about it and why we put so much um, energy into doing executive business reviews and, and why we've set those as, as the OKRs that we, we have as a company. Um, because we know that, you know, it's not about, you know, saving customers or it's not about you know sometimes we we laugh about it we call it throwing starfishes back into the ocean it's not about um that inflection point when the renewal is up and yes you magically save it uh, right at the deadline and they're a customer for another year and you kind of forget about them until you have to throw that starfish back into the ocean um, we really want to be um you know thinking about all of the customers that we have we want to make sure that we have a meaningful touch point or many 
multiple meaningful touch points with them each quarter so that when um, the renewal actually comes up, um, we might have a little bit of a negotiation, but it's not a surprise to the customer. Um, they've, you know, we already know the right people so we can get it done quickly. Everybody already knows the value. So we haven't been, you know, budgeted out of anything prematurely. And, and when it comes time to do the renewal, you know, the, the budget's simply gone for it. Um, it, it really is like taking that proactive approach. And again, it, for me, it all goes back to doing really great executive business reviews. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask now as well. So like the executive business reviews is definitely one component of it. Are there any other things that you do besides the executive business reviews to sort of stay top of mind with your customers or to help engage them from a customer success standpoint? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked a minute ago about um, health scores and not so much about the end health score, but all of the things that go into the health scores. Um, So, you know, in our health score, we're looking at uh, we're getting triggers to, is the activation increasing or decreasing? Uh, are they paying on time? What was their last NPS score like? Um, you know, do we know all the right people in the account? Um, have we seen any of these insights that maybe, you know, we can share prematurely or before an executive business review so that when we reach out to our customers, um, it's not, hey, just checking in it's with purpose. We can say, Hey, I, you know, it's just reviewing your, your account this morning. And I noticed that X, Y, Z. And they say, Oh, wow, that's, that's really great insight. Like, thanks for thinking about me. Um, So those like little micro touch points where it's really um, reaching out in a proactive way to share them something meaningful that they might want to know about their business. Um, So that, that certainly supports and you have to be doing that as well. Like we're trying to make sure that we touch, uh, every single one of our customers at least four times a quarter in in mid market um, obviously more in enterprise and slightly less in in upper s and b um, but still like high touch of of meaningful interaction because that also com- keeps the communication lines open so that when it comes time to schedule that executive business review, the hooks are already in there, and they know that you know that's not just you know Bob. Uh, keep trucking reaching out wants to schedule what's it called that ebr again it's like oh that's you know that's jane and keep trucking she's awesome every time she emails me it's something valuable it's really helpful um so the hooks are in there and they're always willing to open up your email because they know that um you're looking out for them and you're delivering value delivering value and and that's hard to do like what i'm saying is really really difficult to do and i think that's where Um, tools and automation and and organization and good processes come in into play yeah i was thinking that you make it sound easy as well but uh, it's it's a phenomenal like how you've managed to get uh, things in such great shape uh, with the speed at which you've been growing as well and uh, it sounds like you really are i've got a solid process um you mentioned health score and i think that's something really interesting overall like when it comes to health score so just to get an understanding of the way you perceive it within your organization your health score is really trying to understand and as a measure of how healthy his account is for you and like what the risks are of them end up churning at the end of the day is that the is that how you use your health score yeah that's how we use it health score um it helps us really like also surface and boil up um accounts you know, before they even become like a red or an unhealthy account. So we actually have a meeting as a leadership team every Friday, uh, every Friday morning, where we go through all of the health scores um, for the week. We encourage our team, they can override any health score. So if, um, if, 
you know, for whatever reason, all of the indicator lights are, are green, but they know something else that the health score is not picking up. Um, they're encouraged to actually just move the health score overall um, to red. And then as a leadership team, we're discussing all of these accounts that, that fall into the red every single week. Um, so also we can, you know, get it on, on, on the plates of, of the people highest up in our company or, or the product team early um, rather than, than later. So health scores, I think are a really good way to like bring the front lines um, and the, the things that people are seeing on the front lines up to the highest levels in your organization as, as fast as possible. Nice. And I really like that preemptive approach as well. So you like stop the problem before it becomes a problem uh, just by having these indicators. Definitely. Uh, Last thing I wanted to just touch on a little bit then was uh, obviously any good uh, churn strategy or retention. And when we're talking about net MRR, retention is expansion. Um, and you mentioned that like customer success uh, reps are responsible for expansion, but not ex- responsible for closing the sales. Like maybe you want to talk us through how that relationship works and how you see it working at Keep Tracking with your customers. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think like first things first is, um, I think sometimes like people, you know, they believe that, oh, okay, you know, your, your net is more important than, than your logo or more important than your gross. But I think all of them fits together. And I think like, you know, if you've got good customers in the door in the first place and you've got the right fit customers and our, our sales team is really good at this, they do sell good fit customers, um, you know, 99% of the time, um, then you should have no excuse to, to ever lose a logo. Now, things may change in that business. They may go up or, or they may go down um, depending on, you know, is your business doing well or is it not doing well? But you can certainly like work to retain every single logo. And then a building block then on top of that is, is driving upsell. Not every customer is going to upsell. Um, but if you're, you know, comfortable talking about all of the other things that your fleet um, can, or that your, your product can do for that fleet and you are sharing that with them and you're fulfilling the initial promise to the, the organization that you're working with, then that net expansion is, is definitely going to come. So this is where this like concept of CSQLs comes into play for us. So we're um, going through every account. Um, we're looking at the products that they're purchasing from us. Um, we're ensuring that, you know, the core value is being delivered on it. And then after that, we're saying, Hey, you know, would you also be interested in this? Um, you know, you're having so much success with what you're currently doing. We've seen other fleets um, use this to, to do X, Y, Z and their business and it really helps them. Um, so those upsell conversations become really, really natural. Um, and I guess I get yeah, when they become really natural, um, why we've decided not to actually have the customer success team close them is because sometimes that procurement process or actually getting, you know, working through finance or whatever kind of drag things down a little bit. So we want to pass it to a salesperson to, to navigate that. So I think it's an interesting, one aspect of it is that you also ensure that the relationship and the integrity of the relationship is protected. So you set a clear distinction for what customer success is and the rep there is really about really trying to help the customer and uh, best interests. And then handing over to sales is really sort of more that transactional experience that you're talking about and just helping them uh, close the deal. Uh, is that yeah. my correct understanding? Yeah, I think that's certainly um, yeah a fair understanding of it for sure. Um, and I think too, it's like it's it's a great team 
Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's really cool how our customer success managers work with our, our sales um, team to, to, you know, get the customer to the place where they, they should be. So, yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah, and I think the beginning that you mentioned as well, like having that uh, sales aspect of like having a good sales team that sells to good leads is also super critical when it comes to uh, customer success and churn at the end. We talked about this in an episode of Steady FD and a couple of others as well, in that uh, oftentimes like where things start to break, like the front line is really the sales team. Uh, and if you have a churn or a tension problem, it can often be drawn back to uh, sales and more often than not, it comes down to sales teams not being confident enough uh, to turn the wrong customer down. So it's really cool to hear that you've got a good handle of on, on the tech to keep tracking. Yeah, and I would say like that's one thing that you know where it really comes back to to people. You know, make sure that um, your CSMs and your onboarding project managers and and your AEs they're they're all friends. They're eating lunch with each other every day. You have team. Uh, exercises where they get to know each other because um, it just holds everybody accountable um, to to each other. They want to see everybody um, succeed and and even early on at Keep Truck and we really made a point to make sure that we share with our, our sales group you know just how the OPMs are compensated, how the CSMs are compensated, um, share with the CSMs and the OPMs how the AEs are compensated. So you start to understand you know, what everybody's working towards, you make sure that you have um, aligned compensation, you know, uh, across those three teams, and then you get everybody moving in, in the right direction. So it starts with people, and then um, followed by, you know, incentives are, are all aligned. And, and that, I think that served us really, really well, um, even through how fast we've grown and how fast we've added customers. Yeah, I would say this is one of the biggest areas is like in with a company in general is when you have an issue or you're trying to tackle something like channel retention, really having that strong alignment across the team. So you're all working towards the same goal is absolutely critical. And I love that you've taken compensation into that as well. So last question I want to ask you quickly, John, because we're running up on time now is uh, let's put into a scenario. Imagine uh, you're starting a new role at a new company. You come in, you see churn and retention. Uh, is all churn is not great, uh, and you've been asked tasked now to turn things around. Uh, what are some of the first actions you would take joining a company where you needed to try and improve retention? I think it like the first thing comes down to people. Um, really get to know your your customer success managers because they're going to be close to this as possible, and, and figure out what the insights are. Figure out um, why it is that they're not able to. Um, you know, do their job the best they can, which, you know, doing the job the best they can is that everybody's renewing. Definitely figure that out. Um, figure your people out. That's really, really important. Um, yeah. yeah. So people first. And then um, once you figure that out, then start to fix whatever, whatever it is um, that's not working for them. Um, because I think that's, so that's really trying to enable your customer success team to uh, perform and tackle churn. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then once you, once you've got the team in the right spot, um, then, then it's time to, you know, get into all of the other processes and health scores and, and playbooks. Um, but it all starts with team. Awesome. Well, John, thank you very, very much. It's been an awesome uh, session with you today. Really, really enjoyed the chat. And I'm sure there's a lot uh, that people will take away from the session. Uh, is there anything you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, how can they keep up to date with what you're working on? Or um, 
Well, definitely, you, you definitely, if you're in San Francisco, you want to check out the customer success meetup. Um, it's something that um, we've been doing for a number of years now, and we get a great turnout, and we interview some of the best and brightest minds in, in customer success in, in Silicon Valley. So if you're in San Francisco, it's uh, the third Wednesday of, of every single month, uh, and it rotates around where the location is. So just check that out on, on meetup.com, customer success meetup, San Francisco. Very cool. All right. Thanks very much, John. Uh, have a great weekend and uh, wish you more success and uh, continued growth now as you go on this journey with Keep Tracking. Thanks, Andrew. It was a pleasure to catch up. And uh, yeah, next time you're in San Francisco, we'll, we'll take you for a surf and we can rekindle that passion for cold water. For cold water, yeah. Started back in, uh, in, in Ireland. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, John. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.